1: Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to talk about um, the Battle of Vittorio Veneto um, which was the, the one great uh, outright victory uh, that the Italian army fought during the, the First World War uh, in literally the last weeks of the war beginning on the, the 24th of October 1918 uh, when it was it was clear um, that the writing was on the wall for the Central Powers. Now, though, the reason I, I want to talk about this battle, and I, I rarely do kind of outright military history, and I don't actually find it very interesting. But this battle has has deep seated meaning and historical memory, um, memory attached to it, as, as all these things do. But the the formation of um, Italy's post war years or interwar years and the development of fascism are integrally tied up with the experience of the Battle of Caporetto, Italy's great disaster, and Vittorio Veneto, or um, Italy's um, uh, most significant victory, uh, better known as the Battle of Piave. So the uh, Offensives that were happening all over Europe in the Middle East in the last two months of the war, um, against Germany—the Hundred Days Offensive—against um, Turkey in um, the in what is now Iraq uh, and in in Palestine. Um, <clears throat> the these were joined by uh, an Italian offensive. Again, it's Austria, uh, Italy having joined the uh, Allied powers, the Entente powers, uh, in 1915. So, um, in the summer of 1918, uh, Austria, like Germany, had taken their reserves and thrown them into um, the the final offensive uh, in, in the West to try to break through um, against the, the, the Western Allies. Um, like the Germans, they'd also had successes in defensive fighting. So between 1915 and 1917 um, uh, had been a period where they had um, inflicted huge losses on Russia and Romania, both of whom who had launched offensives uh, against the, Aust- the Austrian Empire, the, uh, the Russian uh, Carpathian Offensive, for for example, under uh, 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 General Brusilov, uh, but um, the Italians, um, their their memories of the war in nineteen eighteen were dominated by um, the devastation of the Battle of Caporetto in nineteen seventeen which had been uh, the greatest exercise in Italian military um, uh, misleadership and incompetence um, of the war. The offensives had been largely pointless uh, and had cost large numbers of lives. And then uh, there had been a devastating uh, Austrian-German counterattack, which had uh, brought the uh, the Italians to... uh, to their knees in many ways. They had brought Italy to the the point of being almost removed from from the war. And so the uh, Italian um, high command, the Commando Supremo, um, were haunted by already the uh, scale of losses, which for Italy dwarfed the losses that Britain had endured on the Somme. And the middle of the war had been not just a a kind of a a physically traumatic time for Italy but for its leadership a humiliation and it's that humiliation that really um, is is the the key thing I think to hold on to in this this little journey so the success of the battle of um, Vittorio Veneto um, meant that Italy had a springboard to an immediate offensive, but um, the commando supremo, the supreme commander of the Italian army, Diaz, um, decided against it um, and decided that um, there should be no offensive to regain lost ground. The, was, this was for a couple of reasons. The supply lines uh, of the Italian army had been strained Um, And Italy's army, Italy's reserves were down to just four divisions after uh, the battle. Just to give you some geographical perspective as to where all this is taking place, uh, Vittorio Veneto is a stone's throw from Venice, so it's right on the very northern borders of Italy um, that had been uh, encroached upon by the austrian germans uh the, the austro german forces who had managed to create a, a a front line uh across the sort of the, the foothills of the italian alps um, the um to the west of the the, the 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 fighting was verona um and to the east it was the Adriatic. And the Piave River was the, um, the, kind of the, the, the scene of, of most of, of, of the combats. So today I'm reading mainly from um, David Stevenson's With Our Backs to the War, which uh, is a brilliant account of the last month of the First World War. Uh, he writes, The Supreme War Council on the 24th of July, the Italians maintained that the Austrians were still too strong. Lord George remarked that they had lost their nerve so completely because of Caporetto. The Commando Supremo claimed to be outnumbered, although its allies challenged. Uh, uh, although its, its, its allies challenged its figures. Diaz's um, deputy, Badoglio, um, told Foch, um, Marshal Ferdinand Foch, the supreme commander of, of Allied forces, um, said Foch was uh, inviting them to attack while providing no extra men or equipment. He asked for the impossible figure of 20 Allied divisions. In response, Foch promised 40,000 shells and 75 light tanks, but refused to divert any men. During August, Diaz prepared a limited offensive on the Asiago Plateau in conjunction with the British. But in early September, he postponed this too, on the grounds that the Austrians still outnumbered him and were fighting with stubborn tenacity. And an offensive merely for the sake of it will waste lives. Diaz wished to be ready to face another German attack in the winter, given that the Germans could transfer troops from France to Italy twice as fast as could the allies and for a decisive offensive in the spring of nineteen nineteen, unlike the French, he had no reservoir of American troops as a fallback, so you can appreciate the uh, the reticence of the Italians. Uh, after Caporetto, without um, vast reserves of American uh, manpower, um, and also um, recognising that any offensive would be very, very costly. Defending troops, by and large, have uh, a far better time of things than uh, attacking ones, as kind of most military theorists will tell you. However, this all changes, this reticence changes in September. Um, This is uh, as a result of political reasons, mainly. Um, There had been a a breakthrough in the Balkans, in in Greece, Um, and during that summer, the Italian government um, had supported Diaz, but the Italian cabinet was divided, um, and the finance minister, Francesco Nitti, uh, uh, agreed with Diaz, but the foreign minister Sidney Sonnino, who would lead the uh, pe- the negotiations at the Paris Peace Conference, sympathised with Italy's allies. So uh, the cabinet, part of the cabinet, agreed caution, and part of the cabinet, Sanino, um agreed that there, well, decided, believed that there should be more action. Uh, Vittorio Orlando was the kind of the arbitrator between these two sides. Um, until September persuaded Orlando that an offensive was necessary, um, mainly so that Italy could benefit from it. Um, Because things were rapidly changing in France, because it looked very quickly as if France was, uh, the the French and the British uh, were going to uh, march into Germany fairly soon. There was no argument in Orlando's mind uh, for France's passivity, uh, for Italy's passivity. I beg your uh, your pardon. Um, There would be um, an embarrassing moment at any post-war peace conference when Italy came for territorial gain, um, when the question of well, what did Italy do in nineteen eighteen came up. Um, In addition to this, Austria-Hungary seemed ripe for um, breaking up. Um, Austria-Hungary, this multi-ethnic empire um, where nationalist tensions were tearing it apart, um, was on the verge of of collapse. And this, was again, was an ideal opportunity for Italy to benefit. On September the 14th, um, Italy appealed uh, the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Um, appealed for peace negotiations. This is a crucial fact. The Austro-Hungarians on the 14th of September had put out peace feelers and um, the fall of Bulgaria meant that uh, on uh, Austria-Hungary's southeastern border there was potentially um, going to be an allied occupation uh, whereby uh, there could be uh, uh, another front against Austria-Hungary. In addition to this, the Italian public um, were also criticising the passivity of the army, an an army that sat there and wasn't really doing anything. This was was, um, kind of a a great uh, insult to Italian pride. At the end of September, Diaz um, was called back to the government's war council and he his reluctance to attack was um uh, confronted by Orlando who said well we we'll, we may well have to get rid of you then um and it was uh, agreed that there would be um an offensive in uh, mid october um if it looked as if there would be a decisive victory in the west um so in on the 6th of october Um, the British commander in Italy, Lord Cavan, was invited to meet with Diaz, Um, And he was offered the command of a new Anglo-Italian 10th Army. Graziani, um, the French commander, um, was to take charge of a Franco-Italian 12th Army. Um, However, at this stage... Bulgaria had surrendered, um, and Germany and Austria had also publicly um, uh, requested an armistice. Uh, So Diaz um, thought that, uh, well, Diaz was able to uh, assure Cavan that he was actually committed to an offensive because Cavan was skeptical. Cavan wasn't certain that Diaz actually wanted to do any of this. Cavan thought that Diaz was probably looking really to sit the war uh, sit the last few months of the war out uh, and allow events to play out as, as they um, as they should do, however, and Diaz probably would have wanted that, but it it was the Italian government that believed that spoils needed to be gained in some ways it could be argued that there was virtually no justification for the loss of life of um, the uh, vittorio Veneto offensive uh, if Austria had requested an armistice or had put out peace feelers. The um, Commando Supremo, um, his idea of um, the battle um, focused on the River Piave um, where it was hoped that there could be a breakthrough um, across one of the islands in the river, Papadopoli. And the army that broke through would be flanked on the left and the right sides um, by Cavern and Graziani's armies. Um, and this would, in theory, if you could do it, um, create a, a bridgehead, um, sort of a salient, into the Austro-Hungarian lines and split the Austro-Hungarian armies... Um, and the western side would be stuck in the mountains uh, and cut off from railways, so they would be surrounded and would be starved out in essence. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect
0: gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.
1: Um, moving Allied divisions um, to uh, and the Italian divisions to the Piave River. Um, and this period of concentration ran from the 26th of September to the 10th of October. And if you imagine, in that time, 800 medium guns, 800 field guns, 500 trench mortars um, were moved to the um, attack uh, zone. Uh, mostly from the mountains, and 1.5 million shells were moved forward. So that's why it takes, um, you know, the best part of three weeks to do it all. Um, the British um, officers uh, and their men uh, were seen in Italian uniforms um, because there was um, obviously as much sort of secrecy and, and misdirection as possible uh, during this period. Um, the uh, divisions that marched generally marched secretly and by night. Uh, so um, David Stevens writes, According to Italian sources, on the eve of the battle, the Austro-Hungarian forces comprised 55 uh, in- infantry and 6 cavalry divisions with 6,145 guns. In the attack sector, their divisions numbered 31.5, although their divisions were weaker than Allied ones. According to the Commando Supremo, The Allies had 57 divisions and 7,700 guns, which means that the Allies didn't have the overwhelming um, force majority uh, that's often needed for offensives. They were relatively evenly matched, but it was the quality uh, and the morale of uh, Austro-Hungarian manpower that really, really counted in, in this case. At the end of four years of fighting, Allied morale had held up by and large, and the the morale of tro- soldiers in the Central Power um, had not. Divisions were uh, were depleted, and there was a kind of little desire among many uh, Austro-Hungarian soldiers uh, to fight on. David Stevenson continues: the first line attack force compl- comprised of twenty two divisions, two British, one French, and uh, fifteen Italian divisions, infantry divisions, four Italian cavalry divisions. Finally, the Allies had 600 aircraft to the Austrians' 564. Quantitatively, their superiority was quite small, but qualitatively greater than the figures suggested. The Allies hadn't been quite as deceptive as they had hoped. Um, The uh, uh, Austro-Hungarian intelligence uh, strongly suggested that there was going to be an offensive uh, in the middle of the Piav River, um, and by uh, it was assumed that it would come at around uh, the the twentieth of October or so, um, and so Austrian divisions uh, were ordered to be battle ready um, at that time. So there was no overwhelming superiority for the Allies in that uh, attack sector, and the Austrians were very well dug in, and they didn't achieve complete surprise. Um, The operation didn't go particularly smoothly. Um, The Piave, the the river, um, and its tributaries, was nearly a mile across. And whilst it was mostly shallow, the river was broken up by shingle beds and small islands, uh, separated by fierce, fast-running water, um, and there were no reliable maps that that existed, um, because obviously the watercourses keep changing. Um the heavy autumn rains had fed the rivers and the um, rivers threatened to become kind of unbridgeable where they actually had to, to build um, improvised bridges. So the original start date was the 16th of October, but it had to be put back. Um, Cavan, when he reported to London um reported of the, the terrible rains um that were uh, making uh, offensive plans very very difficult. During the Second World War uh, Churchill's fantasies about um cruising up through Italy to the soft underbelly of the Third Reich um were met with um again far more um far more unpleasant weather which determines an awful lot in war. Uh, than Churchill had 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 ever bargained for, but and again he wasn't exactly known for always thinking things through. It was a race against time by the Italian government to get the offensive going, however, because um, negotiations, armistice negotiations, were happening openly. Um, on the sixteenth of October, and um, em- the Emperor, um, Emperor Karl. Uh, announced that the Austrian half of the dual monarchy would be transformed into a confederation. So the Austria was going to be, basically, was on the road to being democratised some of the key demands of the, the Allied powers when they had a kind of a shift towards a sort of vaguely democratic thinking uh, in, from 1917 onwards. And... This made, the, uh, made Diaz, um, put Diaz under, under immense pressure and the uh, Italian government under uh, almost, intent, almost panic um, that the war would end before something meaningful in Italy could actually happen. Uh, on the 19th of October, Diaz ordered his 4th Army to get ready for an assault on Montegrappa and 400 guns were moved in order to begin the attack on the 24th no matter what the uh, the state of the river and how easy it was to to cross. Italian authorities um, showed the, uh, basically retrospectively, um, suggested that the Grappa attack was an integral part of the plan, but it was actually a last-minute improvisation to kind of make something happen. So the attack on Monte Grappa, a, a, a mountain Began uh, with where the Australian the the Austrians were dug in. uh, Began at seven fifteen a.m. on the twenty fourth of October, which was the anniversary of Caporetto. Uh, After a two hour artillery bombardment, uh, which had been obstructed by the mist and rain, uh, the Austrians moved two reserve divisions up. So, they had nine in defence against seven attacking ones, which was very, very bad odds, particularly if you're attacking upwards, attacking up a mountainside. is generally uh, very ill advised. The uh, fighting was savage, and for three days of um, sometimes often hand to hand fighting uh, continued, with the Italians throwing themselves against the um, defences of the Austrians. The Austrians and Germans traditionally were excellent, um, uh, excellent defenders. Almost no territory was gained, um, and by the 31st of October, the Austrians had mostly held all their lines. The Italian 4th Army had lost 21,000 men, um, and this was seen as really uh, one of the, the last great slaughterhouses of the First World War. So the attack was going particularly badly. Um, Italian prisoners um, had uh, given away um, the uh, vital intelligence to the Austrians. um, And Cavan's British troops, um, did manage to surprise um, uh, or achieve tactical surprise on the 23rd and 24th of October when they landed at Papadopoli Island. Um, after having been ferried across by Italian flat-bottomed punt boats, um, and they managed to overpower the Hungarian garrison there. On the 26th, the weather was had improved, and the Piave waters had has, had uh, dropped, had subsided, the rain had ended, and now that meant that the uh, Italian, uh, the Franco-Italian 12th Army and the Italian 8th Army. Uh, could cross and establish footholds and temporary bridges um, on the other side, the, on the uh, the other bank. The uh, Gordon Highlands, the British uh, Gordon Highlanders or Scots Gordon Highlanders, attacked um, at 6:45 a.m., um, having crossed again from Papadopoli over to the east bank uh, under the cover of a creeping barrage, um, and they were able to smash through the defences on the embankment um, after they discovered that the machine guns were uh, put in a position that they couldn't fire downwards. Um, So this was a kind of a a, a rare stroke of luck. But the uh, crossing caused terror amongst the defenders. Um, So this tends to show you, when you hear those kinds of things, it tends to show you that the, the sort of that the um, the quality of the troops and the the willpower of the troops and the will of the troops to fight on had probably broken by that point. So on the following day, Allied bridgeheads were expanded. On the 29th, they joined up while the British um, forced through the Austrian second line um, at the River Monticano. Um, defeating new divisions and taking eleven thousand prisoners. So here is the point at which um, the Austrian uh, Austrian lines t- start to crumble. Um, so the Austro-Hungarians suggest that the twenty-ninth of October was the, their crisis day. There had been effective defences um, throughout the the various sectors of battle from Montegrappa to. The Piave um, up to that point. But by the 29th, mutiny seems to have taken hold uh, across Austro Hungarian lines. Um, so, units refusing to obey orders, um, seeing the, the war as uh, hopeless. And this very much mirrors what you see in um, France and on the borders of Germany. The, the German army. Don't so much aren't so much as uh, wiped out on the battlefield as they surrender, they g- give up, they see the cause as lost, and so the f- combined effects of uh, long-term um, fighting, long-term warfare, um, uh, a war of attrition, really against the Central Powers, sees this condition um, th- across. All the central powers uh, in um, late 1918, a collapse of resolve uh, and a, a recognition that in the face of new American troops pouring into Europe, the position is hopeless. Um, so in that light, one could argue that the actual, um, the actual uh, Vittorio Veneto offensive was largely pointless. It only served, really, to give uh, Italy um, a seat at the Paris Peace Conference um, and to present Italy as a a credible war power. Italy had to sacrifice lives in order to achieve this immense victory, which was likely to happen uh, anyway as uh, Austria uh, looked to exit the war. If your politicians and military leaders looking to exit the war, your troops will notice and they will be unlikely to want to fight vociferously on your account. The problem as well is that it was this victory, as I said, that gave the Italians the seat at the table and also the martyrdom of Caporetto that went so horribly wrong. And the uh, limited response, the the, the limited gains, the very minor gains that Italy got as a result of this sacrifice and this victory fuel into this sense of Italian victimhood, of martyrdom, uh, of resentment, and give the growing Italian fascist movement Uh, All sorts of arguments to to justify it uh, and to encourage Italian militarism uh, in in the future. Anyway, um, I'll finish there and I hope you found that useful and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thanks very much. Bye bye.